right, welcome to Historically Speaking for another week. You're here on Sin Nation with Alex and myself, Andrew, as we take you through all the history of Australia week by week, looking at different aspects of it. You had a good week, Alex? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, we're actually moving up and out of Melbourne musings. Exactly. Um, we're getting slowly further away from Melbourne. Well, we're not really leaving Melbourne and we're stuck here. No, eventually uh, we'll do the whole world and then the whole universe. We might, we might do some bits and pieces outside of Melbourne if we can get around to it, but yeah. most of it's here. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> Let's be honest, most of the history of Australia happened in Melbourne. <laughs> most of the important bits that we can. <laughs> do we um, really even need the other states? But anyway, this week, uh, we're going straight back to the beginning as we talk about the geological prehistory. Yeah, um, so theoretically, there was the Big Bang, there was nothing. The Big Bang, whole bunch of time in between. Nice. Nothing, 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 nothing. Bam. Earth. Earth. Bam. Earth cooled down enough for things to live. Bam. Land. Great. Well, that was Historically Speaking for this week. Tune in next week. For, yeah. Uh, so. That's the formation of Australia. Bam. Land. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, but... So land was formed and continents as we know it went there. Nice. Um, so originally we had, like... There were a bunch of others ending in Pangaea, which I'm sure everyone remembers from, like, year six when they're learning about dinosaurs. Indeed. Um, dinosaurs, I mean, I think that's the thing that people remember most about Pangaea is the dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah. Like, Pangaea kind of means dinosaur, dinosaurs. So when did Pangaea form? Approximately 350 million years ago with the creation of Earth? No, a lot, a lot sooner than that. Not that long ago, but a few million years ago. Right. So, like, a few million... Yeah, a few, like, 100 million or something years ago. Indeed. Eventually that broke up into uh, Eurasia, Laurasia, sorry, Laurasia and, uh, and Gondwana land, and Australia, as we know it, the land that Australia is now is on now was part of Gondwana land. Yeah. In fact, it was so far south that it was actually part of Antarctica and connected to Antarctica, and being right at the bottom of the Earth, near the pole, near the South Pole, it was frigid. It was Actually, freezing cold. Not always. Um, during that period, there was like a lot of climate change in Antarctica. It wasn't as cold as you would expect. No, um, but still pretty cold. The, po- yeah. the coldest part of Earth, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, still really cold, but not like the frozen wasteland that Antarctica is today. No, no. Um, I know people that used to holiday in Antarctica and go to the beach. 350 million years Were they ago. penguins? <laughs> Only some of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so... But so even after that, like, there was still... So there's what they call the Sahul Shelf, which is Papua New Guinea, and and um, then there's Australia, and then there's Tasmania, well, mainland Australia, then there being Tasmania. Um, we're all, like, a single, like, continent. Right. Um, like, there was also Sunda, which is what, like, Southeast Asia was. It had formed, and it was its own, like bigger continent because sea levels have risen in the past like you know 40,000 years yeah um but yeah during that's during that's the period in which early humans rocked up indeed um it's so yeah well yeah so early humans rocked up followed by the land actually like rising up to meet so the sea rising like getting rid of a lot of the lower areas on yeah. the thing um like the bass strait used to you, you know you could walk around it there was a lake in the middle but you could just walk around yeah, yeah. um and that's when like people went to tasmania um and then you know they spread out across australia mm. into different parts and then sort of like bits and pieces became more isolated from each other 
In fact, it's even as recent as 18,000 years ago, people could still walk around on the Sahu shelf in what yeah. is now basically in the seas of Indonesia. Yeah. yeah. The idea that Earth has sort of been... Is, was, was the water... That the, 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 the oceans were rising and sort of taking away land is not necessarily true. For, for years, it was actually receding and, and creating land. Yeah. And as you've mentioned before, Papua New Guinea and Australia are still on the same continental yeah. uh, plate and for years was just one piece of land. Um, it's only due to rising sea levels that we even separated. Yeah, exactly. Like, if the sea levels were to recede, not that they're likely to, considering the melting of polar ice caps. Yeah. Um, it would, if they were to, like, the sea levels were to recede, then Australia and New Guinea would be connected once again. Definitely. Exactly. In fact, and even in even in Melbourne, the um, best... Uh, uh, um, not Bass Strait, uh, the Port Phillip Bay yeah. formed about uh, 8,000 years ago. Yeah. Which is sort of, and, and that, that the reason why it's such a low bay, in fact, some people initially didn't even want to call it a bay because it's so shallow. They're just going to yeah. call it a lake or an inlet. Uh, the people were able to farm on that and, and walk across it. That's that's a re- very relatively recent. Yeah, because although they have dredged the it, haven't they? I remember reading somewhere. Yeah, well, it's so shallow they can actually dredge it. They've had to dredge it because yeah. it's so shallow. Yeah. Compared to Bass Strait, there's a huge drop after the exit of the Straits because it is huh. so so deep. The, the gap between Australia and Tasmania, because because Tasmania drifted away from mainland Australia much much earlier than. Oh, well, it didn't drift. It was just. The the land went away. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Tasmania wasn't like not. Did, its anchors didn't fall apart, and they just drifted. They didn't yeah. sail away, but they yeah. Although one of the interesting things is, <sighs> sorry. One one of the, the, never good to yawn right before you say one of the interesting um, things. One of the things. <laughs> well, no, one of the yeah, interesting like, things is is that Australia is still moving north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like seven centimetres a year mm. or something like I that. I think it's 7.2 centimetres. I, mean, I don't think it's even seven, mil- seven centimetres. I think it's I think it's about 180 millimetres. So it's about 1.8 centimetres a year. Australia is moving north, um, which which I suppose therefore gives chance that there might, that might be earthquakes and even mountains forming along the top yeah. of the Sulhul Shelf. Yeah, um, um, northwards and slightly to the east about by about seven centimetres a year. Because yeah. a couple of years ago, they had to relocate Australia and they jumped it. Yes, yeah. um, so, like, on the maps, they had to officially update it to reflect the new position. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it jumped uh, 1.5 yeah. metres. Incredible to think that, isn't it? That, that, and yeah. even there's a theory that, you know, Columbus, when he, when he arrived in, in the um, what's now the Americas... If he'd taken his journey today instead of fourteen hundred, instead of seven hundred years ago, he would have had to go an extra thirty seconds because it was about a hundred meters. The two continents about a hundred meters further apart. The other interesting thing, just on the topic of the continental plates of Australia and the history of them, Australia is actually one of the few continents that's retained a relative shape, isn't it? A lot of the it's it's remarkable how similar, even though it's been connected to Antarctica and other different parts, how how the shape, the actual shape of the continent as it is today, even though sea levels have risen and fallen around it. Um, there's a, we're looking oh, at a you, picture now. Of, oh, you um, mean like from Sahul? Yeah, from the Sahul plate. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a lo- I think a lot of that's got to do with the fact that it, one Australia is a big place. Yeah. And two, a lot of it was just a lot of the lower areas, like yeah. around, like on the coast of what was then the coast. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that's why it looks d- relatively the same. But you're right; it is relative. Like, because the other thing is, is that if you look at Sunda, which is mm. Southeast Asia, yeah, um, because there's a lot of islands. Um, they all when they receded, 
when the sea levels rose, yeah. it cut off a lot of the islands in between. Indeed. Malaysia and Indonesia and Sumatra uh, and Borneo were all connected to land. They were part of the mainland. Yeah. Until, until, they, until, until the sea levels began rising about 18,000 years ago after the last... Yeah. Uh, at the end of the last ice age. So that's, that's, that's how... Uh, that shows how, how sort of how insane the changes are. And like you said, that was how humans got around all over the world is yeah. by walking across these land bridges. But we'll get to that in a Yeah, there's more about Australia. That's actually quite interesting. Indeed. Um, but this isn't QI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um, going to be a point when we can't say quite interesting without mentioning QI. But yeah, like there's definitely, uh, there's definitely stuff about like immigration between those two continents that's interesting. Yeah. Um, especially considering there's not a lot of biosimilarities like between no. Australia and say Indonesia no although there are there are some similarities oh, there are with, some um, with but Papua, like yeah but it's the, the cultural differences between the two countries and the and the and the um the the natural con- the, the, you're right the, the natural differences between two two continents that were otherwise the same part of the yeah. same landmass in terms of fauna and flora are, are really different um yeah actually I've got something to say about that but we'll save that for later why not listen listen to Alex Alex's opinion on on Indonesian uh, Indonesian biodiversity. Fauna, biodiversity in coming up so stay tuned for that but it's also um yeah even uh, there are and that, this is just a one final point on that is it, it, the the similarity between Australia and, and Papua New Guinea um, biodiversity is actually sort of similar, though. It's more similar than Indonesia's. They also have kangaroos of, of yeah, they various have, species, and they have gum trees in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, Papua New Guinea and Australia are part of. I'll talk about. I'll talk about it more later. But like they're part of because they're part of because they were part of the same continental cell, shelf. Mm. Species that evolved on both of them were able to be shared a lot easier, but not between like Papua New Guinea and Indonesia. All right. So basically, to wrap up uh, that segment, uh, Australia was part of Australia. Pan- everything was part of Earth. But well, we knew that already. Australia was part of uh, Pangaea. Everything was part of Pangaea. It broke away to become part of Gondwana land. Then it broke away from there to become part of Sahul. And then it broke away from there to become its own continent, which we know it as today. Oh, and then Tasmania disappeared as well. And yeah. the rest is history. But we are talking about history, so we're going to talk about the rest. But not before we talk about Great Southern... Well, not before we play Great Southern Land by Icehouse. Now, you notice the cleverness of this title is that Great Southern Land could refer to any kind of southern land. It doesn't necessarily mean Australia. It could just mean Pangaea, for all we know. Yeah, but it's the one that we care about the most. It's pretty great. It's pretty nice big. segue. Yeah, it's a very big land. Um... Uh, speaking of very big, uh, there used to be some very big animals that you lived on the continent. They did, yes, you're right. Um, and we're going to talk a bit about them. So, so you said so first. Uh, so what? <laughs> so, you were um, so ahead of me. Go on. Um, so, um, megafauna is something that used to exist a lot more commonly on this current continent. Yeah. So. We still have megafauna, depending on what your definition is. Uh, the great red kangaroo technically counts as megafauna. Definitely. But we had we had some pretty um, we had some unique, just like we have very unique wildlife currently. We have very unique animals today. We have very unique dinosaurs and stuff. There are a lot of animals that uh, don't exist now that did. Essentially, like I say, large versions of things that were um, large versions of things that do exist today, such oh, as yes. the. The diprotodon, um, um, which is just a really big wombat. Yeah, we'll talk to the we'll talk about the diprotodon in a minute because there's a few interesting things about that. But also, um, also things like the uh, the the Zygomatomus, the sorry, the Zygomatrius. You're you're an archaeology student. You've studied Latin. How exactly do you pronounce it? The Zygomatrius, which was uh, a, essentially like a um, 
a sort uh, of zygomatorous metaverse. It's yeah. a bit like a, a bit like a dipodo- dipododon, but diprotodon. Diprotodon, but had a short trunk. So it was almost like a cross between an elephant and a and, and a, a wombat. wombat. Oh. Yep. Um, there was one that was called the Genionus Newtoni. Um, Height of the ostrich. Uh, and it was just a really big bird. Nice. Uh, not as big as the Dromonus uh, Sertoni, uh, Sturton's Thunderbird. They really need to find better names for these Latin animals. is hard. Um, please <laughs> cut us some slack. <laughs> is it? Uh, What's wrong with just Stegosaurus? It is one of the largest birds discovered so far, and it was weighed about 500 kilos and was about three right. metres tall. Far out. Imagine a bird that tall. <laughs> is it? That's like a metre on me. I would be terrified. <laughs> Cassowaries are already terrifying. And this is about almost twice the height of a cassowary. Yeah. That sounds a lot like the um, the kiwi bird, the moa, which I think also had yeah. roamed in Australia as well. Because it Australia. Was, um, no, it, the moa wasn't in Australia. It was bigger than the moa, though. Yes. The moa wasn't as big as... Um, wasn't as big as, wasn't as, big as yeah. that, that, that bird. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yes. So this... Yeah, it's like... There are also lots of, um, lots of dinosaurs as well. Um, so basically, it sort of comes down into different. I guess like today's animals it comes down to mammals, marine life, and birds. Um, that weren't really sort of giant reptiles. They were giant, essentially like things like uh, freshwater cal. The Varanus priscus, which is seven meters long and weighed like almost two thousand kilos, begs to disagree. Yeah, it's a giant goanna. Yeah, the, the, yeah, exactly. They had sort of, but they they were almost classified as dinosaurs. They were. They were yeah, but they existed at the same time as humans on the mainland, which is inc- extraordinary, isn't it? A lot of these animals exist at the same time as humans. <coughs> so did diprotodons, yeah. diprotodons, diprotodons, so diprotodons. Okay, apparently, um, a lot of kangaroo. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, a lot of kangaroos are. Yeah, so in Australia, we don't really have many um, megafauna because it's normally over hundred kilos. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it's not. Not, uh... That doesn't mean that we didn't have huge... Um, no. Animals. We also had things like the Thylacio carnifex, which is uh, called the marsupial lion a lot of the time. Uh, it says commonly called marsupial lion. I don't think many people commonly call it Thylacio carnifex. And what it essentially I, I was... I thought that was the thylacine. Well, no, exactly. It obviously comes in the same root word as thylacine. And it was like a thylacine with long legs. It's the most terrifying thing. We'll put up a page, a photo of it on our uh, Facebook page. Which, by the way, you should look, check out at uh, facebook.com forward slash historically speaking. Um, but oh, it, historically yeah, speaking radio. Historically speaking radio, sorry. Um, but it essentially was a, a, yeah, like a long, a long-legged, um, almost, like a, almost like a sort of a wolf crossed with a thylacine. This, this thing that could crawl. That could oh, yeah, I've seen one of them. Um, climb yeah. trees and, and, and chase it, out its prey. I you think Australian it. animals are terrifying now? They're a lot yes. more terrifying. <laughs> so, yeah. Like they were deadlier. These ones are just cities. These are just. These are just. Um, these are the. These are the weaklings. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got like a, as I was saying, you've got the um. One. You've got the what you call it? The uh. The, the Dumontatoni, which is 500 kilos of a bird. Yes, sir. Of bird. I know. A feather. Each feather probably weighed a, a kilogram alone. But imagine run, that running after you. Yes, There's one that really spooks me. One one megafauna in Australia that, that does sort of, for some reason, just makes me really, really unsettled. And that's the uh, proto, uh, sorry, the Prosoptodon, Prosoptodon Goliath, Prosoptodon Goliath, which was the largest oh, leaf-eating yeah. kangaroo 
uh, in the history of Australia was essentially a giant kangaroo, but it was more than that. It was it was um, it was at least sometimes three meters high, three or four meters high, but it had the face of what looked almost like a, a cat. Yeah. And so it, it had the, the megafauna is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Very terrifying. Very weird. Um, there was also the Wanabi Narakut Anessis. The Wanabi Narakut Anessis. Do you know what that is, Alex? The what? The Wanabi Narakut Anessis. Uh, Let's try and say that after spinning around 30 times. I'd rather not. It looks it, like a snake. It is a giant snake. Snake. Right, but it was bright red. It was probably no more venomous than our current snakes. I mean, our current snakes, snakes can't really get much more deadly to humans, yeah. but it was it was much bigger and much longer. Yeah, there's also the um, Megalogorilla um, Ramsayi, which is a very large, long-beaked echidna. Yeah. However, its like arms are much more like look like a mole, like in terms of digging. Like yeah. the current ones, like dig, but like not as much. No, no. It looks like it. It was like it. it it's like an echidna had gone to the gym, gotten some gains. <laughs> Uh, and was like, you know what, bro? I'm gonna dig some holes, <laughs> yeah. and then like was really good at digging holes. The Megalawi, the Megalawi Ramiasi was almost like a kid in a director's cut. Yeah, a kid yeah. in a director's cut. It was it had longer arms and longer beak and more quills and was bigger. Um, yep. There's also things like the, uh, and this is extremely unacademic for me to say, but there's a Zynomatreus trilobus, which almost looks a bit like Scooby Doo. It was a giant hairless marsupial. That's disgusting. I can't think of any hairless marsupials that exist to this day. Uh, um, oh Jesus! And yet it was giant. It looked. It looked like a. It did look seriously like a like a dog with a big nose. And we'll put another picture of that up on our website as well. Um, seriously, does it look like Scooby Doo? And it's and it was born. It was it evolved without hair. I um, suppose to keep it cool. Um, but there's, so there's that as well. So I was looking at like as well like other sort of um, monotremes, which is what an echidna is. Yeah. And there's the Zaglossus hacketi. Yeah. It's the size of a sheep. A sheep. It's an echidna. That's crazy. Like an echidna, the size one meter long at about thirty kilos, pretty big for an echidna. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Did um, it have the quills? Uh, I don't think so, which is interesting. Yeah. There's not a whole munch, bunch of material. Like, there was mostly vertebrae and leg bones when they found it. Yeah. Um, and But they found incision and burn marks, so, like, people were eating it. Yes. Um... Yeah, so that's yeah. there's also there's also things like the um, the Estrantherus, which are there are there, there are different groups of extinct megafauna in Australia, such as the uh, this the Stenerus, the Sten Stenerus, Stenerus, which is basically the giant extinct uh, species of kangaroo. And we talked a bit before about the Stenerus steringi, but there's also other Stenerus, such as the Stenerus Stenerus atlas, the Stenerus andarosi, the Stenerus newtoni the strenuous uh, tindaloi and the strenuous pales. Uh, some of them looked almost like rabbits. Some of them looked like um, had reptilian fate, but a lot of them, a lot of the kangaroo we have now, the sort of current common eastern grey and common red kangaroos, aren't, don't really even look anything like these kangaroos, apart from the fact that these extinct ancient kangaroos, apart from the fact that they hop around on two legs and have a long tail. Often the head and the facial features and the and the habits were completely different to that of yeah. yeah, a lot of there was a lot of like, just a lot of like bigger creatures. Yes, yeah, yeah, which is probably um, the same all over the world, but it was no exception in Australia. Yeah, like you got the mammoths in places like Europe and Americas and stuff, and they sort of died out. Mm. Um, but yeah, these megafauna were just 
massive. There like, are different, yeah, yeah. It's just like wild. Imagine living on the mainland when like Endoprotodon decides to rock up, yeah, so. and you're like, oh no, my food! I can't fight this. <laughs> so. There are a few interesting um, reasons why animals have slowly got smaller over time, and why megafauna are kind of been left to the sea. And I mean, left to things like I mean, we have megafauna on on Earth today. Things like blue whales, and uh, well, a lot of marine life in general, oh, really. Um, and blue elephants. whales like elephants, moose, yeah. deer. There are megafauna, like, but moose and me- deer aren't. Not not in Australia though. Megafauna is no, not no. really found in Australia. Like no, like the category four hundred kilos next nothing reaches it in Australia. No. Everything's a lot like more compact. Yeah, part of the reason is because of some some reasons. Oh wait, except for the crocodile. I forgot the crocodile. Yeah, the crocodile's still just as massive as ever and just as terrifying. Although even crocodiles are bigger back in the um, back in the Paleontolic and and uh, and Creative eras. But the thing about um, the thing about the uh, thing about the the uh, megafauna in Australia, some things were just ran. Some there were some random. Variables such as the fact there were just a lot of species down here, and there were just there was just not the right conditions to sustain it. But there are other things like the fact that Australia became more arid the further it drifted north. Yeah. The ice ages weren't very kind to Australia. While it didn't seem to, it's while while there's still signs of the ice age in parts of east northern Europe and northern Eurasia, such as in Russia. Um, Australia, there aren't really many sort of no. signs apart from just the land itself, the shape of the land. The shape the of the land, as there. well as like some of the trees and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, were affected by the last glacial maximum. Yeah, but for um, the most part, Australia has the the ice age, the lack of an ice age, the leaving of it made a big difference to Australia. Yeah, and and for that, saw a lot of the wiping out of many megafauna over mm. time. There's also theories that are hunted. We mentioned before the diprotodon, the diprotodon, diprotodon. I think I pronounce it a different time each time. The Diprotodon, which was, some people say, was hunted by the early indigenous people of Australia. Um, but there's really no evidence of that. It's one of those ones where, like, a lot of people think, oh, like, big creatures, big food. Yeah. Um, but but also, big creature is hard to kill as well. Yeah, so there's a site called, I'm pretty sure it's Cuddy Springs, where they found a lot of this. But, yeah. like, human bones and those sorts of bones weren't found in the same context. No. And so, as well as, like... And it's one of those things where, like, using context is not always the best idea. Mm. Because in this cave in, like, South Africa, they found, like, these really small hominid bones with, like, leopard bones. Yeah. And they were, like, on, like, all these bird bones. They were like, oh, so the hominids were eating leopard. No, it was the other way around. Leopards were eating them. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, well, that uh. was the leopard den. And that they found the leopard bones later. We're like, oh. Yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. so time to rethink. That shows a lot about the human psyche, doesn't it? That we like to assume we're always on top of the food yeah, chain. Yeah, I mean, like, but that was earlier. But, like, and to be honest, they were, like, a pygmy... They were, like, an early hominid species that weren't yeah. very tall. And did um, die out, I think. Yeah, they probably did. Yeah. The one inter- there are a few interesting things about the um, about the early megafauna as well relating to the early um, indigenous people of Australia and the sort of the way they interacted, for example. There's, there are There is evidence and some sort of... Aren't, don't know if I necessarily believe in myself, but there's evidence to suggest that the idea of the bunyip was in fact a uh, was not a mythical creature, but was just a, a diprotodon. Um, many of the behaviours and the looks attributed to the to the bunyip, um, such as being living near such as living near rivers, hunting humans, uh, having big front teeth, and being brown and furry, uh, that could describe a diprotodon almost exactly. And uh, there are researchers and theories that suggest that the the uh, the idea of a bunyip as being a mythical creature is either just an early European or a very late um, indigenous thing. But mm. that they but that the, uh, essentially the diprotodon was the um, was the the yeah it was it was the um, bunyip. 
Also, yeah. the Wanabi Narragansettus, uh, what I mentioned before, the big bright red serpent. I must confess, I'm only just reading here that uh, Wanambi, Wanambi is the uh, Aboriginal word for the rainbow serpent, and so that may well be one of the inspirations for the Dreamtime story, the rainbow serpent. So. Uh, that megafauna interacted with the with the early humans in Australia just as much as it did, as as the today's animals did, and as it did in other parts of the world. Yeah, it's there's a whole bunch of like wild stuff in terms of like just hu- humans and animals interacting because like you don't like you got you get this stuff and you think oh these things didn't inra- interact like you got the megafauna and stuff but they did like yeah. There was just one last strange feature before we finish up this segment about uh, Australian megafauna is that there's, there were giant penguins. There is the Anthropornus Anthropornus Nogenskajodi, which was the giant, literally just the giant penguin. That is a translation to giant penguin. Um, sometimes got as high as 1.35 metres tall, so it wasn't actually that much taller than our current pigeon, our current pigeons, our current penguins. Um, but uh, was essentially um, was was actually able to fly. What? Yeah. Oh, no. It had not very far, but its wingspan and the shape of its wings gave it a slightly better chance at flying than current modern day penguins. It might have been like one of those weird sort of like leftovers from when penguins <laughs> were like stopping the whole flying thing and moving to the ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they just downsized and started, yeah. In fact, there's evidence to suggest that they were here. They were in Antarctica. They they've existed in Antarctica. These giant penguins, as much as 40 million years ago, which is old even for megafauna. Uh, so there's uh, yeah, that's like dinosaur. Old. Yeah, yeah. So isn't that crazy to think the penguins have lasted longer than the dinosaurs? Mm, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, dinosaurs weren't actually really found in Australia. There's like, there's a few, but like it's more. Like most of the ones that you would consider. Um, well, part of the reason for that is because, as we said before, a lot of the continents were connected, so dinosaurs yeah. could roam. Animals that had been native to Asia and the Americas and Europe could probably have roamed in Australia in many cases, via land crossing land bridges. Um, but yeah, but at the same time, like a lot of them, like towards the later period of dinosaur living around-ish time, um, like the Cretaceous and stuff, I think that's the later one, or maybe it's the Triassic. Nice. Like they had separated again, like Gondwana land and stuff had separated. Yeah. I remember that from Walking with Dinosaurs. <laughs> was, I love that series. That, like, was, that was great. I was terrified of with Walking with Dinosaurs as a child. I remember the bit where the, um... Where one of the uh, I marine... watched that show to help me get to sleep. <laughs> that shows us as different people, I think. Mm. That shows. Mm. It's very delightful. I remember this one bit where a marine animal eats another. It's just like a giant shark, and like I think it is a great white shark in half, and they visually, very graphically show the shark, its torso ripped in half. Yeah, and it floats yeah. Down the sea. And I remember that it's gave me kids. nightmares. No, we know. I learned the hard way. It wasn't for kids. Um, but anyway, that is uh, that is us talking about the that's some of the megafauna. If you want us to, if you can think of any other megafauna, native to Australia or native to the to the place that it is on, please let us know. At historically speaking radio or facebook.com forward slash historically speaking radio. Please get in the conversation anyway. Uh, let us know if uh, if you have anything to say about megafauna or any interesting facts. <laughs> nice. We are. Um. But yeah, so we're going to be talking about like human arrival in Australia. Definitely. And so. We were talking earlier about so Sahul, which is a which is a continent that still exists, but a lot of it you can't parts of it you can't walk to anymore. No, 
Um, you can still walk to a lot of it. Some of it I don't know why you'd want to. No. Um, <laughs> and Tasmania. Um, yeah, you can't walk to Tassie anymore. No. Um, Until they build the bridge. If they ever build a bridge. But, uh, but yeah, no, we um, can, yeah. But, yeah, so we're talking about the arrival. And so... So the arrival of humans in... The arrival of humans in... Uh, in Australia is... Somewhere between, like, 60,000... 65,000... Mm. To, like, 47,000. Yeah. 55,000 is, like, a common date. I'm not yeah. too sure, certain about 65,000. It's a matter um, of debate. Yeah, I've read sure. the article about the dating, and... That site is a bit flawed. Um, Malakanunja 2. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a bit... It's got its issues, and, like with like the researchers like everyone's scrambling for the older state yeah that's one of the things about Australian archaeology especially yeah. indigenous archaeology especially about stuff about arrival everyone is scrambling to have the earliest date because mm. then they can publish it then they get money go on a press junket get money uh, you can't tell you can't tell you're a cynical ex-archaeology student um no <laughs> not, a, not, right, not, not right, at all though. I see what you mean though yeah. well said it's a contention it's a, that is the problem with world history world archaeology is every country wants to have I mean, like, something. In in Egypt, it's all about trying to find um, trying to find tombs and stuff. Yeah. In Australia, it's trying to find the oldest because mm. it all depends on like what you're doing. Um. Definitely. But yeah. Um. But at least the the, the bottom line is it's definitely at least forty at least forty thousand. Um, yeah. Probably more like sixty-five million, although sixty-five thousand, sixty-five million is very, very good contentious. As much as a hundred thousand, I've heard, I've heard theories of a hundred thousand, which suggest that that is based on other theories about about humans coming south through Africa during the Ice Age. And anyway, but but one matter that is fairly fairly agreed upon is that all humans came from the Great Rift Valley in modern day Ethiopia and eastern Africa. Or, yeah, or most most modern hum- Homo sapiens anyway. Yeah, Homo sapiens did. Um, yeah, Neanderthals and other other. There's dozens and dozens of types of Homo Homo uh, well Homo hominids. people. Yeah, hominoids. Hominoids. Sorry, is the word. Um, the, the dozens of them all all across um all across. Um, um, all across, all across the world. Because um, you got like Homo Florensis, which is which came out of Java, actually. Yeah. Um, or near Indonesia. Um, there's Homo habilis, Homo erectus, which is around in East Asia. Mm. Um, there's the Denisovans, who were found in a cave near a dude named Dennis, where a dude named Dennis was living. Mm. That's the only place they've ever been found. I love how the others are all, you know, Homo erectus, Homo australis. I think Homo the, the Denisovans have, like, an actual name, or they yeah. might just be a group of Homo sapiens. That makes sense. Um, but, you got the Neanderthals. Yeah. Who um, intermixed with humans. Yeah. Have, um, a lot of white humans have a percentage of Neanderthal DNA. Mm, definitely. Um, um, but they... But, yeah, but the modern human... Um, is well unless you've got a high percentage of Neanderthal, and even then, my, uh, every human. Oh, it's like one percent. Yeah, is descended from is descended from Homo sapiens, which came out of Africa in about some say two hundred thousand years. I I believe it's earlier than that. Yeah, two hundred thousand years is sort of like a date that a lot of people accept. Yeah, it's one of those ones where like that's been conservative, I think. Yeah, but yeah, it's one of those ones where it's like. The date's always up for debate. Yeah. Like, you can find a lot of evidence and be like, okay, this is when they came out. Yeah. 
And then people would be like, oh, but we found this evidence that said it was this day. Yeah. Um, you may but either way... You may notice that one of the problems with early prehistory, one of the reasons it's difficult to talk about and difficult to study is that it is so up for debate and that every 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 sort of scientist is there to prove something different. But I think we can... But there are sort of basic, basic regions and basic time periods that are true. And so anyway, the humans came across, across from... Um, from modern-day Africa, they mixed with the Neanderthals and went west to um, to Europe, or modern-day Europe, but they also went east, and that's where it, Australia comes into it, because I think um, essentially they travelled through the Middle East, through Southeast Asia, across the land bridge that was once there, well, and then they get to then they get to the uh, the the Sahel plate and that's yeah. what becomes difficult because there's no there, so there never really has been a full land bridge between no, the two no between so that that's where the, I was talking about it earlier but I, I was like I didn't want to mention it so early no. um, so there are only two things that have crossed the Wallace line the Wallace line are where you've got like the Asian sort of animals yeah and the the other side you've got all of like the Australian and you've got the period in between called Wallachia but like that's like almost a hard line of yeah. nothing crosses this no. except two things Humans and rats. Yes. Humans got there deliberately. No one's really sure how rats got there. Yes. Um, the rats are the big mystery. Yeah. Um, weirdly but, enough, yes. Uh, but humans... But, but the, I mean, the, the, the theory... The, 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 in any case, though, humans did get to Australia around around that time and eventually eventually did settle in what's now northern Australia. And so regardless of... I mean, depending on whether they went through East Timor or, or depending on whether they went through... Happy New Guinea isn't really relevant because to do it as as much as sixty five thousand to seventy thousand years ago means that they were probably the earliest people to really go seafaring. Yeah. Some, there's even some theories that they were caught up in a tsunami or that there was that the that the there were the sort of caught on caught on islands that were drifted that drifted across or caused an accelerated um, movement or ex- ex- accelerated plate movement. But in any case. You, via some sort of seafaring journey, they arrived in Australia around 65 million years ago in what's now Darwin and Northwest. Actually, I should also phrase that. Um, so the the other thing is is that not only did humans rock up, take the first seafaring journey, mm. it was the first seafaring journey that wasn't line of sight. Yes, exactly. So yeah, like yeah. they had no idea what was on the other side, and I'm just, no, no one's really sure as how they did it. Like whether or not they travelled to this place where there was like higher points where they could see and then go on their boats across. Mm. Either that, or they had a, a knowledge of the currents, which is remarkable. Yeah, for that time as well. Yeah, I, yeah, it was one of those ones where like no one had really gone sea voyaging. Mm-hmm. So now, because Melbourne is at the other end of the continent, it took a little bit longer for for humans to arrive in Melbourne, possibly, but only in the space of a few thousand years. From a that, couple of thousand, not yes, actually that much. If not that, that long. If that, and I think most people put the sort of colonisation of Melbourne by early humans to at least. To, to no, no later than 40,000 yeah, BC. Like, by the time the Holocene rocked up, which is the time period in which we live now, yeah. um, there were mostly mostly people, like, all over the country. Yeah. Like, even Tasmania. Like, that's the wild thing, is that, like, humans hadn't spread to Europe. Yes. Yeah. Like, hu- humans got to Australia before they got to Europe, which is, which you'd argue, is a much closer place. Yes, yeah. yeah. And a much more remar- remarkable achievement. Yeah, um... That era that they travelled across, which is known as the Pleistocene, was that before? Is that before a current? Was that the one yeah, immediately the one before, before us? Yeah, 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 the Pleistocene, then the Holocene, and during the Holocene, I think maybe all the Pleistocene was also the Neolithic. Mm. Maybe people did get to Europe, but like it's one of those ones where like it's still ridiculously early that humans got this far. Exactly. Yes. Um, 
Because mm-hmm. remember, like, we're not talking about like, just a group of humans going, all right, we'll, we'll just walk and yeah. then keep walking. <laughs> no, the group of humans are like, oh, we'll stay here now. This is where we can live. And then yeah. another group going, you know, we might go further down that way. Mm. And then another group going, oh, we'll go even further. And yeah. then, like, eventually they end up at Australia. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why it takes a few thousand years for that reason. Yes, yeah. And often it's, they would only travel maybe 10 or 20 kilometres further. Well, they would only settle a few sort of kilometres and probably no more than a few hundred kilometres down down the down the line yeah, each time. And they would just eventually go village by village, settlement by settlement, um, encampment by encampment until they until they crossed the entire world. Yeah, it's one of those ones where, like, humans just went all over. The history of how how, indi- how our people got to America is interesting because this... this yeah, there was there was an actual land bridge yeah. that they crossed. Yeah. And then the Vikings rocked back up and we're like, hey! Yeah. On, a, on the point... No, that's totally irrelevant. I was say, I heard an interesting fact about how Greenland got its name the other day, but that's not not yeah. relevant at all. I just want to share it. Well, well, since you asked, why did Greenland get its name? Do you know that? Oh, isn't it just an advertising campaign? For, by Eric the Red. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's extraordinary, isn't it's it? Like, oh, it's green. <laughs> so, what's this place like? And he wiped frost from his moustache and said, oh, it's, it's it's Greenland. You should go there. It's very nice. Um, but anyway, so that is, that's essentially how humans arrived in, in Australia. Uh, we talked before about the sort of megafauna that had, had been there, but just uh, let's go back to Melbourne because we are a Melbourne-based show. What is the sort of what happened after that in Melbourne? Because that's when Port Phillip Bay formed, and that was when things started to get interesting. Yeah, like nothing really happened in Melbourne. Like we sort of like stayed away from it. It was on the other side of the country. Yeah. The yeah. only thing was that we lost access to Tassie. Yes. Um, and that's about it. Yeah, which is a good or bad thing depending on your viewpoint. Yeah. But um, but the formation of Port Phillip Bay is interesting though because that really was this huge expanse of land, uh, which which very recently was underwater until until about eight thousand years ago. Yeah, it's and there is yeah. I still just can't get over how like people were like yeah let's go here yeah or let's go there. Well, what amazes me is the fact that they crossed the desert because Australia's always had a desert in the centre. It's, it's been yeah. lusher than, than it is now, but it's still been pretty arid. It's not the sort of thing you want to wander into, and yet they would have had to have gone, unless they... Unless they there, there's not really any evidence, I don't believe, to suggest that they went all the way around the coast. So at some point, if they, unless they went... Uh, you know, they would have at some point had to cross that arid, arid land. Yeah, it, yeah that's a th- you're right. Mm. Like, they would have had to cross, like, a land where there was no water. Mm. Um... Oh, you probably would have followed the water path that was there, like because yeah. there was some water, but not a whole heap. No, no. Australia, the land of not a whole heap. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, I still find it like super like interesting how that like you know in the space of like a few thousand years, yeah. humans went from one point of the land to all over. Yes. Uh, and that's uh, just before we finish up this segment and therefore the show just one other interesting thing is when humans started having contact with other humans not based in in Australia so when there was sort of inter- essentially international trade there's, there's reports that that happened as early as 6,000 years ago yeah there was another group that lived like up north and came down to Queensland I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah and partly that was because the land bridge um, the, the land bridge that, that actually happened a lot more before the land bridge was flooded about 6,000 years ago but it still happened between the islands, particularly around the Torres Strait, um, and and once the Tor- once humans started to know how to neg- negotiate around the Torres Strait, they then started negotiating with the with the main what's now mainland Australia. Yeah, there was a lot of like intermixing of people and stuff, so it was pretty yeah. interesting. And in six thousand BC, that must make it one of the first yeah, intercontinental trade. 
Oh, it's not really called intercontinental, but oh, six thousand. Well, I mean, may, not, not maybe going, depending not, if not anyone's from, trading Africa to Europe. Well, not but, going from hundred kilometres away, but yeah. well, that's true as well. I suppose people were doing that, but by our own, by today's standards, certainly the best international trade across waters. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty wild. And so that is essentially how how Australia formed, how animals formed here. We didn't even mention things like trilobites and and the the evolution of species. But the, the thing about that, I mean, is it's really the same all over the world. That humans, uh, there were there were creatures, there were early early ancestors to humans in Australia and early organisms that went on to evolve into primates, which then went into, to evolve into humans. Oh, look, that's an entire other episode. Yeah, I could go exactly, yeah. that for a while. And definitely, yes. And I don't believe we had any sort of early primate ancestors in Australia. No, 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 not in Australia. So the is, good old Wallace line helped with that. <laughs> the Wallace line. Um, so that is, uh, yeah, so let's, let's go to a quick song and then we'll come back with the trivia questions. We'll get back into the trivia questions for another another, another week. Yeah. Um, what's, what do you know feel what, like? What's the name of the line in which, like, separates Australia and um, Southeast Asia uh, biologically? Fair enough. You just you said that a few, few seconds ago, yeah, so like if you, you were paying attention, you'll get it. So that's the first line. Um what uh, secondly what were the name of the giant kangaroos that uh that that well the name of the, the family of giant extinct prehistoric kangaroos that used to roam australia yep uh and thirdly what is the name of the uh plate that australia actually no that's too similar to yours i'll tell you what i'll go with what year did port phillip bay officially form essentially so what year did port phillip bay form well not what year but like around about <laughs> yes, yeah. not, not what how year, many not years ago 18,572 bc but what year did what year roughly did it did, did port phillip bay form um yeah. and and what was the name of the family of prehistoric the the extinct um kangaroos that formed australia and what was the name of the line that separated sort of biodiversity between uh asia prehistoric and asia and, and australia exactly sounds good Get us a look, check that out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash historically speaking radio uh, to find last week's answers or the week the answer to the we quiz didn't, we, last answered, week. we answered the quiz for last True. week. Yeah, forget it. Um, but we didn't have one last week. Go there to find this week's questions and answer it there. Comment below on that post and you may go into the prize in the draw to win the prize of self satisfaction and respect and achievement. Yeah, what a good prize. Anyway. What? What are we going to do for one last song, Alex? Um, I think we'll just leave it. Fair enough. Um, where? Oh, five. Yeah, yes. you can tune into Player One next, which I am also on. <laughs> um, hello. It's a long. T- I hope you don't accidentally start talking about prehistory. Oh, on Player no, One. knowing me, I'll probably end up. Oh, we're doing. A, we might be doing a bit of a history of games type segment. Oh, oh nice. tune in. You might find out more about history. You should do a segment on on Far Cry Primal. Oh no, <laughs> no, let's not. Um, but yes, yeah, that's all of us from historically speaking. Yes. and we'll see you next week. Definitely tune in. Look at check us out on Facebook and have a good week. Have a historical week. You're listening to Sin Nation uh, with Andrew and Alex.